Good morning, everyone. It's so good to see you. And uh, every time I come up here, this is my first time in 2023 to be with you uh, at our North Campus. Uh, but there's more of you, more and more of you. And it's, uh, I wish I knew everyone. I really do. But just to see your faces here today and uh, to enjoy and experience the worship together, we are one in the bonds of love. That's a that's a great song some of us grew growing up in church. We are one. We are one in the spirit. We are one in the bond of the love. And you know, Prestonwood is one church. We worship at multiple locations and uh, multiple languages, but we are one in Christ. Say amen to that. And I'm so grateful to senior pastor of Prestonwood just to see the vision of the North Campus being fulfilled beyond what we could have even imagined or expected. When we began just, uh, I don't know, 15 or 16 years ago, uh, we had big ideas and big dreams, but we could have never imagined all that God would do and is doing and is yet to do uh, through our North Campus. And uh, we love Connor Bales and his family and our staff here, incredible people, and all the volunteers. It truly is uh, an ignited uh, church because we are on fire and I believe uh, revival is coming. Uh, we're seeing uh, signs of revival across the world and in uh, the nation. Uh, there's a revival breaking out in Kentucky right now of all places up at Asbury University, a Methodist college. Baptist and Methodist need revival, I assure you of that. But a Methodist college, university up in Kentucky by the name of Asbury, it happened uh, in the 1970s actually in that same university and it seems to be happening again among the students uh, there. Franklin Graham, my friend, is uh, uh, down in Mexico preaching in Mexico City and looked like, I don't know how many, but appeared to be over 100,000 people gathered last night and more to come to hear the gospel of Christ preached. And uh, the Jesus Revolution, I hope you'll come and see the movie next Sunday night. Greg Laurie is going to be with us uh, next Sunday at the Plano campus speaking. And then again that night because, you know, the last great spiritual awakening in America was the Jesus movement of the late 1960s and early 70s. I was a teenager and a young 20-something uh, in those days. And and, and we, we experienced the power and the presence of God as, uh, as young people in that day. And God called many of us to preach and missionaries and raised up churches. And so this is the story. It's not a, it's not a dry documentary about history. It's, it's the living story of what God did. And, and it's really the appeal and the prayer for revival in our generation. Wouldn't you love to see God just move again and that we would have another Jesus revolution in our times. I'm praying, Lord, one more time. One more time before you come again, Lord, send a great revival. And revival is not something we can work up. It's what we pray down. It's something that only God can do. And, and really, when we talk about proclaim, I know the first thought may be, okay, that's, that's a money thing, that's a donor thing, that's a giving thing, and, it's, and, and, and yes, it is about our generosity, but what we always pray, and we've done these many times, these kinds of commitments that we're asking uh, you to do, uh, we've seen God move in the hearts of his people and revive the church, because what happens when, when we start breaking the back of greed in our lives, when we start opening our hearts to generosity, God moves in, in amazing ways. And, and when we obey God, 
when we trust God and obey God, then he begins to work in our lives in, in unusual ways, even supernatural ways. So when we do a campaign like this, uh, we don't dread it. We really don't. We, we get to be a part of something that God is going to do. And uh, you know, uh, if you've been in one of the uh, uh, previous sessions, heard Pastor Connor last week talk, I mean, we're going to expand this worship center because we're, we're out of room. And uh, 3,000 plus, three services in the room uh, every Sunday now. And, and uh, parking, you know, is an issue. Uh, everybody said, amen, parking is an issue and, you know, child care. I uh, prayed with three of our younger deacons uh, this morning, and they all were like the Prestonwood North profile, all three of these guys. They, you know, wife and two or three kids that are 10 and under, and, and, and so, and a lot of old people, grandparents showed up here to be with their grandkids. So just a lot of people in the region, and, and, and we are reaching them, and we've always said we build for people who are not yet here. Someone believed God and trusted God and gave and supported the work of the North Campus before any of you were here. Very few of you were here at the first services. One of those Bible studies we had at a home or over at the now middle school of Prosper. Uh, very few of you in this room were here, but people believed God and trusted and gave and sacrificed so we could have this today and our children would have this ministry in Prestonwood Christian Academy. Academy. Oh my goodness. By the way, we won our first big bi-district playoff game at our North Campus. Uh, boys and the girls are coming up. I hear they're undefeated. And so the school is just the school. The Lions, you know, are roaring. Prestonwood Christian Academy Lions. And then we're reaching into the community, the local high schools and junior highs and middle schools. I mean, you know, if you're paying attention, that God is using this church in a powerful, powerful way. Uh, we need to expand this room. So when we built this room, we had other ideas as to what would happen on the platform, even a choir and those kind of things. But as we adjusted and aligned to what God was doing, we said, you know what, we, we need more seats. We don't, we, we, so we can, we're going to back it up. We're going to put the pulpit back here a little bit, a little more. I, I don't, I don't want to fall off something back here, but we're going to move it all back here so we can get another, oh, I don't know, four or 500 seats in here. And I anticipate the day we open with 2,000 seats in this room, it'll be full again. And so we'll ask God what to do after that. But so many opportunities and privileges that we have uh, to serve God in our generation and to pray for this spiritual awakening uh, in our times. I just want to be a part of what God is doing. I want to obey God. And uh, we, uh, as a church, are expecting God to do more and more. We never settle until the last one comes home into the family of God, until the last person is born again that is within our reach and responsibility, we're going to keep going and keep growing, discipling people and developing families and, and all the rest. So that's what this is about. And um, a, a additional children's space, additional parking, and expanded worship center, and then we have the school to grow and a lot more. But how are we going to do this? We're going to do it the same way we've done it over the years and all the projects that we've done. And that is the generous giving of God's people. Uh, not with gadgets or gimmicks, but just generosity that comes from each one of us uh, praying and asking God how we can obey him in this. In fact, 
Before I get to the message, and I do have a message, by the way. This is all introduction. This is a message. This is message one, all right? So this is message one. Write this down in your notes. Message one from Pastor Graham. So, so uh, this, this is pretty much an airtight faith formula for how we're going to commit to do 10 million and more here at our North Campus. This is airtight. In fact, if you're taking notes, I really would like for you to write these down, but we're going to put some things on the screen. Here's how we've been able to do this by the grace of God over the years. Hundreds of millions of dollars in projects and buildings and mission giving. By the way, we're sending money, relief money, uh, to Syria and to Turkey. Pray for the people there, the relief efforts. Aren't you glad to know your church? Because of your giving, we're giving to them. So we're going to the ends of the earth with the gospel and with our giving. But we also have a responsibility to take care of here and now. And you're going to see that in sermon number two that I'm coming up with in just a moment. But before we get started, here's how you're going to, we're asking you to make a decision about your part in this. Number one, put this on the screen. God knows what the need is. Do you believe that? I mean, God knows. This isn't something we just have dreamed up. It's not a human desire. We believe God the scripture says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So as we have sought God and asked him to lead us, God shows us the need and the need is obvious and God knows what the need is. I mean, we don't need to be wringing our hands wondering about what we're going to do because God knows what the need is and he's ready to meet that need through his people. So secondly, put up the second thing and that is God is able to meet that need through the generosity of his people. No need to comment on that. I already said that just a few moments ago. So the way that we have done all of our giving through the years is not to conscript people or pressure people or push people, but to ask God to begin with 10% of their income to the Lord and generous sacrificial giving above our regular and normal giving. David, the great king, said, God forbid, he was building the temple. He said, God forbid that we should sacrifice unto the Lord that which costs me nothing. You say, what is sacrifice? Something that costs you. And so sacrificial giving is something that, that uh, God will prompt us to do. Sacrificial. And um, sacrificial giving means that it's not equal gifts. We all don't give the same thing. We all don't have the same capability or resources. But all can equally sacrifice. Not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. The widow's might that she gave, Jesus said, was greater than all the rest of them put together. What she gave out of her need and necessity. And so, so that's point number two. God is able to meet the need that we have through the generosity of his people. You believe that? All right, number three. Look at this. God will show you what your part is in meeting the need if you will sincerely ask him. If you will pray and obey. Now God speaks to us. Deb and I have been a part of uh, building projects and, and church growth uh, uh, efforts through the years. And we've always got prayed and God has always showed us the number and uh, the amount that we're to give. He puts it in our hearts. We often share and pray separately and then God brings us together and we pray together about it. Uh, but it's amazing that when we pray and ask God, he will show us he will show us our part in meeting the need, and he will do the same for you. Deb and I are praying right now as to what our part is going to be in the North Campus Proclaim expansion. And I hope you're doing the same when you touch that card 
or when you see a video, that you're praying, that you're asking God to lead you. God, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. So the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, will direct your path and uh, help you to understand what you're to give. Number four, I believe. God will enable you to fulfill your commitment to Him when you depend upon Him. Why? Because God will never ask you to do something that you cannot do. That would be unfair of God, for God to expect anything of us that he would not enable us to do. So, think with me. If God puts it on your heart, what you're to give, just think about whatever that number might be, could be. Do you believe that God will enable you, help you to fulfill that faith commitment? I like the word commitment. I I don't like the word uh, pledge all that much because it seems, uh, I don't know, it just seems weird. But I like faith commitment. I like the faith commitment, the faith promise that we make to God. And put faith into your commitment. Don't just do what you can do. Ask God, what could we do together, God, if you enabled us? And so if God puts a number on your heart and you are to do it, he will do that and more if you will trust him and depend upon him. Are you, are you flying with me? All right, next, next. Your commitment will bring glory to God because, you see, God's going to get the glory. It starts with Him. God knows the need. He's going to meet the need through the generosity of His people. He's going to show you what your part is in meeting the need if you will ask Him, and then He will enable you to fulfill your promise and your commitment to Him. And so when it happens, it's all about Him. All the praise goes to Jesus. He gets all the glory, and we get all the blessing and all the joy of doing it. Amen? So here it is. And so if you will look at that and think about that, I believe that what we're attempting to do and expecting God to do in this will be a beautiful and powerful testimony to his work among his people. It is Super Bowl uh, Sunday. I received this uh, email this week. Uh, It's an unusual email. It says a friend has two extremely hard to get tickets for the 2023 Super Bowl. These are box seat tickets on the 50-yard line. He paid $15,000 each for these tickets, but unfortunately, he didn't realize last year when he bought them that the game was scheduled to be played on the same day as his wedding. (laughs) So the email says, so if you are interested, he is looking for someone to take his place. It's at a Corpus Christi church at 3 (laughs) p.m., Her name is Melissa. She's 5'7", about 140 pounds. She's a good cook, too, and she'll be the one in the white dress. You laughed a lot more than the 830 group. Most of the time, most of the, time the ladies don't like that joke too much, but sorry about that. But it's a funny story. I have to tell it every Super Bowl Sunday. I just do. I, I think it's funny. Mark chapter 5. I brought this message last week at the Plano campus, and it's a much longer message than I have. I've got about 10 minutes left, and I'm going to stay on time. But um, go, So go find it online with us. And thank you for praying for uh, Bible in a Year, and many of you have joined us. We could have never imagined. That's another God thing. They asked me to do this. Pray.com is the platform. They asked me to do this. About this time last year, and I said, okay, I'll do it. I didn't realize how much work it was going to be, to be honest with you. It's a big effort uh, to record all of these. Uh, but these are daily Bible readings and an intro by me and an outro by me with an application of each scripture as we're uh, making our way through the Bible. 
You could start at any time. But I thought, well, you know, if a couple of hundred thousand people get on that, uh, that would be awesome. So I'll do it. Well, as you saw earlier, it's 10 million and growing now, downloads. And uh, number one on Spotify of all religious podcasts. And number two on whatever that other one was, it's not as good as Spotify. But, uh, you know, I think on the number, the number one on whatever the other one it was at Apple or whatever, uh, is a Catholic uh, priest kind of doing the same thing. So we got to beat the Catholics, right? We got we to get, uh, get that over the top. But I'm just so blessed uh, by it and thankful. But this is Proclaim. The title of this message is Proclaim the Name. Proclaim the Name. The Word of God and the Testimony of Jesus. And this is who we are. And this is what we do. We are, we are the family of God. And our, our goal, our growth is always to proclaim the name. I love our theme because it kind of centers here in the pulpit, the proclamation of the worship room and with the parking and the children, all the attendant spaces. But at the core, at the center of what we do is the proclamation of Jesus Christ. We preach Christ and Christ crucified, risen, living, coming again. So proclaim is, is, is a great one-word uh, action step that, that we, uh, we've called this campaign. And so when I came to this message and I thought, well, I'll, I'll deliver, tell me the story of Jesus again as we're in this series, Connor and I are walking together in this series, I thought, you know, I'll just move on to something else. But then I saw my text, and you'll see why. Uh, it's all about defeating demons and the power of Christ. We're in the confrontations of Christ, how Christ confronts in his temptation, how he confronted, he came into the world uh, to give abundant life, the devil comes the thief comes to kill steal and destroy but he said I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly so you've got that collision you've got Christ confronting you know Jesus was not just meek and mild you know walking around with a lamb around his neck he confronted evil and and yes he was loving and compassionate and kind and generous and good and loving as God is but he also confronted evil he would face on with evil and evil doers constantly and he still does today and he often came into contact because he is the light he came into contact with the darkness and the dark evil forces in the world even demon spirits the devil is real not a caricature on the side of a can of potted ham you know a, a, a guy with a pitchfork and red tights no that's not the devil the devil is a powerful uh, individual it's not just the force of evil this is not ambiguous this is reality this is authentic there is a devil and with the devil don't have time to explain all how it happened this morning but with the devil are demon spirits fallen angels Lucifer is a fallen angel and with him fallen angels who are the hordes of hell and they're not down in hell you know shoveling coal but they are loose in the earth and Satan is alive and well and living on planet earth and and the evil that exists around us is not just you know ambiguous e ambiguous evil but it is rather the work of the enemy and John tells us in first John that Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy no Christian should ever be afraid of the devil or demons we should respect the power of the enemy but we should never fear because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world and you have power and authority and victory in Jesus over all the works of the enemy in your life. But we have this incredible, riveting story, perhaps the most riveting story in the Bible. I'm, as I said, I'm going through it, and there's some, there's some wild and hairy stories in the Old Testament. I'm in there right now. 
But I think this is the most riveting and in some ways frightening stories in all the Bible. It starts in verse 1. We're going to read it through. I'm going to comment. We're going to close. Then came to the other side of the sea to the, he came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Now, unclean spirit, that translates to unholy or ungodly spirit, a demon spirit. And he lived among the tombs. This demon-possessed man lived among the tombs in the graves. He was outcast from the city. People were frightened. They could hear, hear him howling in the night. This is a horror story that's going on in this small community. Is This man is possessed and uh, oppressed by demons. And he was, he was deranged. He was demonic. He was dynamic. No one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. They had tried many times to control this man, to lock him up, to chain him down. But he had often been bound with shackles, shackles verse 4, and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart. He had supernatural strength, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. In our world today, we're trying to subdue evil in various ways, and there's no human ability to shackle sin and the chains that bind people. There's no human solution to any of it. And that's what was happening here. And verse 5 says, night and day, live in this now, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was crying out and cutting himself with stone. Did you know, people, it's a problem. We talk to our, our leaders in our school and our student ministry, cutting is still a, a, a problem. You may have heard about it a few years ago. I asked our team just the other day, is this still an issue uh, with young people, this, this whole thing of cutting? Uh, and the answer is yes, and it may be even worse. And I said, why would someone, I asked, Doc, I, I asked Michael Perrin, who runs our life uh, recovery ministry, he works with a lot of people who are dealing with demon oppression or some demon possession, and just the whole issue of, uh, of what people are facing, the psychological and the spiritual darkness that is in people's lives today. I said, why would a person, why would a young person cut themselves? You know the answer? Futility. Futility, just the hopelessness, and some kids even are feeling so hopeless and so, so is, everything seems to be so futile. There's no way out, and that's that's this man right here. He's cutting himself. He's in effect suicidal. He's living in hell, and hell is living in him. And so, Jesus comes to shore. Verse 6, and when he saw Jesus, that is this demonized man, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? You know the devils know who Jesus is, right? The world may not believe, but I guarantee you the devil believes and trembles. That's what the Bible says. So these demon spirits, they know him and they they submit, they just, this man now full of these demons just falls at the feet of Jesus, Son of the Most High God, which is a Hebrew title for the Lord Most High. I adjure you by God, do not torment me. That is, they were begging not to be sent in the place of eternal torment. And for he was saying to them, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? 
And he said, my name is Legion. You could just hear the voices at this point because Legion, a Roman cohort, cohort or legion was six to 7,000 soldiers. My name is Legion. These multiple menacing monsters that lived inside of this man are now speaking. They had taken away the identity, and that's what Satan does. He will rob you of who you are and your own identity. He will steal every bit of that if he can. That's why it's so very important. I talked about this in the message last week. Again, you can get it online, but don't open your, don't give place to the devil in your life. Don't give opportunity. He often steps in through drugs and alcohol or pornography or, or uh, various kinds of entertainment. You know, normally the devil stands in the darkness, but, you know, at the Grammys last week, he decided to get on stage for a little while. But then he goes back into the darkness. But, you know, when people start being entertained, when the culture is entertained by the demonic, do you, can you imagine the evil force that sets in as a result of that? So this man has lost everything. He's lost his life. He's, it's, a, it's a living death. And verse 10, it says, are you watching this? Are you with me? And he began, or he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. I've been to this hillside. When we take our groups to Israel, we often go by this very place where you can see the hillside where this most likely happened. And they on the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee. And they begged him, saying, Send us into the pigs, let us enter them. Has it ever occurred to you that the devil's second choice is a hog? He'd rather live in a human, but his second choice is a hog. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd went insane, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. They, in effect, these pigs committed suicide. <laughs> First case of devil ham. <laughs> Am I getting too deep for you now? So the herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened, and they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man. Don't you love this? The one who had the six, 7,000 demons in him sitting there clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid because they saw in Christ the power of God. This man was a hopeless case, but no one is hopeless in the face of the power of Jesus Christ. And if you think there are temptations that are too much for you, if you think there are passions that you cannot control or addictions that you cannot defeat or demons that you cannot dismiss in your life, if you think that for one minute, you don't know my Jesus because Jesus can take care of anything, any temptation, any passion, any addiction, any demon, any power because he's greater. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He breaks the power of cancel sin. He sets the prisoner free. And here's a man who was in prison, but now he's free and he's sitting clothed. No longer bleeding and gashed and filthy, but he's sitting clothed, cleansed in his right mind, meaning he's sane, he's sensible. 
he's totally changed. Can you imagine his children when their daddy came home, a changed man? Can you imagine his wife, what she experienced? Maybe she'd been praying for him, but he, they'd given up long ago until Jesus walked in and changed this man's life. And what he did for that man, he can do for you. There's no per person too far gone, but that the power of Jesus can change them. So he's sitting there in his right mind, and here's what happened next. They described what had happened in verse, seven, or verse 16. They began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. Now, can you imagine this? What, what on earth is going home? They're begging Jesus to leave. They were afraid of him, and now they're begging him to leave. Why? Well, you might just say, because they were in the pig business, these were Gentiles. Jewish people weren't pig farmers, typically. So these are Gentiles. They were pig farmers. And Jesus was bad for business. All these pigs are dead now. They cared more about their pigs than this person that Jesus loved. And so they said, Jesus, leave. Be very careful about asking Jesus out of your life because he just might leave. He did here. Jesus stands at the door of your heart and knocks, and if anyone opens the door, he will come in. But when Jesus is knocking, if you keep saying, no, 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 go away, go away, go away, or maybe you love other things more than you love Jesus, you just say, Jesus, out of my life, he may choose to go. My spirit will not always strive with man. And so if Jesus is knocking at your door, if Jesus is moving in your life, don't ask him out, ask him in. So they asked Jesus to leave, and so he begins to leave. Verse 18, and as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. He wants to be in that movie, The Chosen. He wants to be in the series, The Chosen. He wants to be a disciple. And he says, Jesus, I like what Peter and James and John and, and, and all these guys are doing. Let me go with you. But notice what Jesus told him. Verse 19, he didn't permit him but said, no, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. You say, God is calling me. Okay, the first call is to your house, to your household, to your home, to your family. And many times this can be the hardest witness, right? Because our family knows us the best. But Jesus said, the place to start your witness is with your family and your friends. Go tell your family. Go tell your friends what great things the Lord has done for you. And every one of us can do that. You say, well, I'm not trained. I don't know how to share my faith. Well, you know, it'd be a good thing to learn how to do that. And there's ways you can get equipped. But even then, every one of us who have experienced the power and the presence of Jesus, who have experienced his mercy in our lives, we can tell people what great things the Lord has done for us. You can tell your children, honey, this is what the Lord has done for us and our family. You can tell your wife, and boy, guys, I just want to say it really starts with us. This was a man who had been far from God, full of demons, and yet he went home and he told his wife and he told his kids. And I see statistics all the time. When a man comes to Jesus, when the husband and the father of a home comes to faith in Jesus Christ, Nearly 80% of the time, the rest of the family will come and follow Jesus too. Men, go home. Get right with God. 
Get full of Jesus and his mercy and his grace and go home and tell your family and lead your family to Jesus. And then your neighbors, you don't have to go across the street, just go across the street. Now, what happened here, look at verse 20 and we'll shut it down. And it says, and he went away, that is the man, and he began to proclaim. See, I knew Jesus was in this sermon on this proclaimed day. He went away to proclaim in the Decapolis. Decapolis means 10 cities. And I was thinking, you know, there's at least 10 cities our own Decapolis around us right here, right now. I mean, we got Prosper and Salina, and I hope not to leave too many out, but Little Elm and Frisco and Plano and Dallas and North Dallas and Carrollton and, and McKinney and who knows, Denton, and I, I, we got all this Decapolis around us. And so the, the goal then for us is to proclaim to all the cities that are around us, yes, we're committed to world missions, to go global as Christians, but it all starts with a man, a woman whose life has changed in our own home, with our own families and our own friends as we tell them what great things the Lord has done for us. And how we have received his mercy. Most people that live around us, most people in America, most people in the world, have never heard a clear gospel message or presentation. Most people have never heard an explanation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Say, is that true here in Texas? This is the buckle of the Bible belt, Pastor. Churches on every corner. You just ask them. If you're bold, ask them. And they've never heard what it means to know Jesus in a personal way, the forgiveness of sins because of the cross, and that Christ died on the cross as our substitute and then went to the grave. And on the third day he arose. What is the gospel? Paul said, moreover, brothers, I declare to you the gospel, how that Christ died and was buried, and on the third day he rose again. This is the gospel. This is the good news. And I'm telling you, most people don't know the gospel of grace. They think it's work. They've heard a little bit about God. They've heard some Christianese or some Christian-esque stuff. And a lot of this is on us because we haven't done what this man is now doing. And he simply went and told people what the Lord had done for him. Like the disciples, when they were told never to mention the name of Jesus again, they said, we cannot help but speak of those things which we have seen and heard. And when we are full of Jesus, when we're full of his spirit, then we are compelled by the love of God to go tell. The gates of hell will not prevail against God's church. And in this sinful and evil and satanic inspired world, we have the promise and the hope for despairing people all around us. Lost people, people who don't know Jesus, they're not the enemy. They're the mission field. They're the people who need the Lord. And may God help us to confront the powers of evil like Jesus because he said, all authority is given to me and given to you as you go and preach the gospel. Amen. Let's stand together, everyone standing, and I'm going to ask that no one be leaving, please, during this time of decision and invitation.
that you stay with us and pray with us because I'm going to invite people to come to Jesus. Bow your heads with me and pray. If you've never received Christ into your life, this is your moment. This is the miracle that you need to break the power of sin, to break the power of judgment, to break the power of Satan in your life, to break the power of lostness. Pray like this, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose again. And right now, I don't understand it all, I don't know it all, but I do know I need you. Say, Lord, I need you. And I ask you to come into my life and by your love and grace, forgive me of all of, your, of my sins, past, present, and future. Forgive me of all my sins. Come into my life, Jesus. Live in me. Give me the power to live for you by your Spirit. And then, Lord, give me the hope and the promise of eternal life, the hope of heaven now and forever. Do you know for certain that if you were to die today that you would go to heaven? You say, can you know that? Of course you can know that. This is why Jesus came, so you could know and have him and his life in you. So in just a moment when we sing, I'm going to ask you to come forward and profess your faith. Proclaim it. I'm not going to ask you to make a speech. We're not going to stand you up here and make you talk. But if you'll just come forward and say to one of the ministers, I'm praying that prayer. I want Jesus to come into my life today. I need Christ in my life today. Let the Holy Spirit have his way in you. Christians, would you be praying right now? Church, please be praying right now. The Holy Spirit will move to convince and convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment and bring people to Jesus. And so come forward and just say by coming forward, Jesus said, if you confess me before men, if you proclaim me before men, I'll proclaim you before the Father in heaven. So come forward. Others need to join this church. God has prompted you, leading you to be a part of Preston Woods Church family. We're not an organization to join. We're a family to share. So come and be a part of this church family, and we'll receive you as a new member today. In fact, lead the way. If you want to join Preston Wood today, lead the way because your example will encourage others. Lord, may it be so. Work in every heart and every life. Move in us, Lord. And in this service, bring revival to your people. Lord, we are praying, we are asking, we are seeking. In Jesus' name, amen.